0: You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. And today, Chelsea and I are making good enough threat to turn this into a Top Gun <laughs> podcast. We went to the mm-hmm. premiere, not together, because that would be a bit weird because you're on a date. And the next day, it's all we could talk about. I think our whole office talked about yeah. Top Gun for at least a week. We're probably still going. It's genuinely all I've been thinking about for two weeks. I'm like, oh God, I love that movie. I know, but on the back of us loving the movie, along with everyone else, it's also got us thinking about the public history of Tom Cruise and how he's kind of pulled the wool over everyone's eyes with bringing this Top Gun sequel back. So we're going to get into that today. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day.
1: I have news. What's the hot got? I want more headlines. More than 100 British actors and public figures have put their name to an open letter calling for better on-screen representation of older women to help fight entrenched ageism in the entertainment industry. So among the signatories are Keely Hawes, Richard E. Grant, Zowie Ashton and David Tennant. And in the letter, which is called the Act Your Age campaign, they said women in the UK have a shelf life on screen while men have a whole life. Today's in-demand young actress is tomorrow's unemployed middle-aged actress, the letter begins, before listing a number of pretty dire statistics regarding the lack of representation of older women. So the letter continues, ageism targeting women is an entrenched industry staple that is outdated, harmful and neglects the millions of audience members who appreciate seeing women over 45 telling the story of their lives. The letter concludes with eight recommendations to address the problem. So, some of these include ensuring a 50 50 age and gender parity of writers and performers in programming and commissions, ensuring a general range of representation across gender, race, ethnicity, sexuality, and ability, as well as age parity in all forms of entertainment, including documentaries, political panels, news packages, and studio guests. And if you would like to read more about this, we will pop a link in our show notes to a story which has all the details. Na-na-na-na-na.
0: So after weeks of it dominating news headlines and unfortunately all of our TikTok feeds, the defamation trial between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard is coming to an end. So both legal teams delivered their closing arguments on May 27 and now the jury is expected to continue its deliberations until Tuesday. So sometime mid this week, our time we're expecting that they'll come through with their verdict. But what's interesting is that even though the official verdict is yet to be delivered, it feels like we already know the public outcome of the trial. This is something that we've been covering since it was first announced. We've covered it throughout the last six weeks or so, multiple times on the spill. And the biggest thing that we've noticed about looking at the public sentiment and the news headlines and the social media quotes around it is that nothing really seems to have changed since the trial first started to where we are now, where we've kind of heard all the information in regards to how the public view Amber Heard and Johnny Depp?
1: Yeah, I think if we went back and listened to the initial podcast we did about it, it's crazy how quickly the entire internet became Team Depp. There was sort of two weeks where it was very much johnny focus, and then when Heard came to the stand, we did another episode where we were like, we wonder if this will get the same amount of coverage, the same sort of sentiment online. And we said, well, we don't think it will. And I think all of those have come true.
0: The narrative was already so firmly Mm -hmm. in place in the news headlines and even more so in social media users, particularly like TikTok had such a struggle on this trial that I feel like no evidence would have turned that public sentiment around. Mm -hmm. But I'm surprised that it hasn't even swayed a little bit against Johnny Depp, a little bit in maybe the circles that you and I would read in, things that have more of a kind of feminist lens over them or a more of a lens, I should say, over how this information is affecting women who are going through issues like this of abuse and domestic abuse themselves. But how in the court of public opinion, all the information we have about this trial now, so like all the testimony, the video recordings, the photos that have come up, that Johnny Depp seems to be, at least in the public eye, as popular as he ever was to an extent? Yeah, so
1: Mel and I, I think it was last week, we spoke about the sort of financial backing of this Justice for Johnny campaign. And there was some proof that came out in a Vice article where the Daily Wire, which is a very conservative publication co-created by Ben Shapiro, was like putting so much money behind ads and stuff that would go out onto social media, obviously, that were sharing misinformation about the trial, very much pro-DEP. And that information is interesting, but I don't think it is in any way like changed anyone's opinion, especially within the sort of justice for Johnny circles. I don't think that penetrated at all.
0: Yeah, exactly. And kind of looking at the Daily Wire's numbers around that. So they spent between $35,000 and $47,000 on Facebook and Instagram ads promoting their articles about the trial, which wouldn't seem that kind of out of the box, except that the ads promoting all of their articles were very much a clear bias against Amber Heard. Mm -hmm. And if that's all you're seeing in your Facebook feed and your Instagram feed because that's what's being paid to be there, it should be very skewed in how people think. But what's interesting I think is that this information came out, I think it was last year, about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry that a similar thing had happened to them. So there was a report that found that after going through All of the tweets that were relating to Harry and Meghan, it found that there was actually a coordinated online attack against Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, and that a number of accounts had put money behind them to make it look like they were more hated and more in the public eye than they actually were. And at the time, Meghan Markle referred to herself as the most trolled and bullied person online, and that was effectively proven true. And I remember after that report came out, we were thinking like, well, will this change people's public sentiment towards Meghan Markle? Now that we actually have these facts. Mm. But the interesting thing is, it didn't seem to change anything. Like, people still mistrust her and they still hate her, even though we have these numbers to prove that there was money changing hands to make sure that we saw this negative information about her above all else. Based on the fact that this money is coming from like an ultra
1: conservative publication, and you know, Ben Shapiro, and he's kind of notorious. To me, it feels like the trial itself has been hijacked as like an alt-right gateway, almost using misogyny and those sort of buzz terms, you know, anti-woke cancel culture, all that sort of stuff, to like tap into misgivings that were already there maybe under the surface about
0: social justice, about Me Too, about equality. Yeah, exactly. And so it'll be super interesting to see this week when the verdict comes out because, like I said, we're sort of not sure exactly how it's going to go because the jury hopefully are going to kind of look at more Mm. than just the presence of TikTok in that. But even looking at the headlines today, I mean, they're very skewed towards Amber Heard doing walks of shame and people trying to dig up dirt on her and Elon Musk Mm -hmm. Whereas the headlines around Johnny Depp are like, isn't it beautiful to see him playing like a surprise concert in the UK after his harrowing ordeal. So obviously we will cover the last part of the trial when the verdict is delivered. But I think in the court of public opinion, we already have our answer. (laughs) We've all heard the daunting and horrifying birth stories that have circulated in our friendship groups. But what is a normal birth like? It turns out there isn't one. Giving birth is like... Tugging, yeah, it's the best word for it. For me, it was like a hook in your cervix and just pulling it out. Painful. Period, like cramping, very low. I don't have any negative memories. Combination of the bad period with the pain in the back as well as the pain running down your legs and it's everything at once. Listen to Jessie Stevens speak to eight different women about eight different births in Mamma Mia's podcast, The Delivery Room. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription.
1: So, we are living in a time I am dubbing the Tom Cruise Renaissance period, <laughs> and it's been ongoing for a while now, but it's really been spurred on this week with the incredible performance of Top Gun Maverick at the global box office. So the sequel film took in $345 Australian dollars worldwide in its opening weekend, marking the first time a cruise film has broken that $100 million USD mark on an opening weekend, and also becoming the highest opening non-superhero film since the beginning of the pandemic. So it is not just a critical success, but it's also a major mainstream commercial hit, leading to a flurry of praise right across socials. So (laughs) Tom Cruise is probably like one of the most interesting celebrities of all time to me. I don't necessarily like him, but he's just really, really fascinating. And what's incredible about the Top Gun sequel is that it feels like it was a major risk to do. You know, there's so much nostalgia tied up in the original film. And if this had gone wrong, I feel like it could have really damaged his career. But then again, there doesn't seem to be much that can (laughs) damaged Tom Cruise's movie career.
0: Yeah, that's been the interesting thing, watching people essentially fall back in love with Tom Cruise over the last couple of weeks. I mean, including us to an extent. Mm. Like, we walked out of that movie super Tom Guilty. Cruise fans. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And it was a risk in, in terms of what you're saying about bringing back such a nostalgic property. It did have the potential to get a lot of backlash from fans who thought it didn't live up to the original. There was a lot. That, I mean, it would have been a very easy way for websites to make up numbers, mm-hmm. you know, if critics had panned the movie. Like, as we know, Nothing gets people to click on your articles more than panning a big sequel <laughs> yep. or anything. Like, like, that's just the truth. That's what you people click on. So that's all we're <laughs> going to say on that. <laughs> but I think for Tom Cruise, it was a calculated risk because I think he's known for – I mean, he's been in the public eye for decades and no one's going to be in the public eye for that long without having a few scandals. Mm -hmm. So we're not here to kind of drag up everything bad that Tom Cruise has ever done. But I just think it's interesting that he went from a golden movie star through to being someone who for many, many years was ridiculed in the public eye. Like there was a really a move towards people not just not liking his movies but really being turned off by him as a person and I think he kind of almost lost his movie star cachet Mm. and I think him wanting to be the driving force between bringing back Top Gun was trying to kind of relive that golden era and get himself back on the movie star track because the Mission Impossible movies do well and he's obviously the star of those and that's why he keeps pushing them and he's the driving force behind getting those made. But they don't have the same kind of old school movie cachet that these movies did and I think that was such a hit to him that he started calculating behind the scenes a way to make himself be a movie star again and a way for us to forget all of his past transgressions. Of which there has been a lot. I think when you say Tom Cruise, a lot of people think of him jumping on Oprah's couch in 2005. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you remember watching
1: that? When I think Tom Cruise transitions, that is all I can think about. It is the biggest
0: Tom Cruise moment in my (laughs) mind. Something happened to you. Something happened to you. I'm in love. I mean, I remember that moment. Obviously, everyone was watching it on like replays after that, even though like, obviously TikTok and Instagram weren't a thing back then, so it probably didn't get as much airplay as it would have now. But even more so than him jumping manically on the couch, my memory of that is watching the cameras, because Katie Holmes was backstage – and they were like, will she come out? And Tom's like, bring her out. And she was like, absolutely not. This should have been a sign of what was to come. And there's camera footage of her, if you can find the original interview. I'm not sure if it's still online anywhere. But she's like running through backstage of Oprah and the cameras are chasing her and she's covering her face because she didn't want to be on TV. And it's just like, it's so creepy from the start. But that year in particular was quite a bad year for Tom Cruise 2005 because it was also the year where he had that big throwdown with Matt Lauer over what he had seen. Said about Brooke Shields and her postpartum depression, which I think was actually one of the bigger hits his career has taken. But I think it's been erased from public mm. consciousness, maybe because he's done so many other odd things with the whole Scientology thing and Katie Holmes and, and the craziness around like keeping Surya secret. And then, you know, we don't think he's seen her for like 10 years or so. I think those things have all kind of come into play. But Brooke Shields, when she gave birth to her first daughter, had very intense postpartum depression following that. And she wrote a book called Down Came the Rain, where she really chronicled what she went through. And at the time, that was so groundbreaking because it wasn't something that was really talked Mm -hmm. about, especially by, you know, an actress like Brooke Shields to go into such depth around her mental health and the struggles after having her daughter and what she went through in terms of seeking medical help and medication. And Tom Cruise, who this was absolutely nothing to do with him, like, you know, he wasn't really asked for his opinion on Brooke Shields, you know, quite a lot of interviews. Like, he wasn't really part of the narrative, so it was interesting that he really thrust himself into it. And he said of Brooke Shields, when someone says medication has helped them, it is to cope. It didn't cure anything. There is no science. There is nothing that can cure them whatsoever. And he basically went on to say that she was being Very harmful and dangerous for saying that she took medication to help with postpartum depression, which then prompted Brooke Shields to say – Tom should stick to saving the world from aliens and let women who are experiencing (laughs) postpartum depression decide what treatment options are best for them. This is a bit of a narrative I think gets quite strange. They went back and forth in public for a while. And then I think Tom Cruise or maybe his camp realised just how damaging this was. And it was very hard to shake off this kind of anger that people were feeling towards him. So then Tom Cruise called Brooke Shields and asked if he could apologise to her in person, which I guess, you know, that's fair enough. But Brooke's team in particular was so wary of Tom because they knew how manipulative his team was, how he couldn't be trusted. Also, there was the whole Scientology Mm -hmm. aspect of it, which not saying anything bad about that particular organisation, but it was known at the time that they liked to record things and there were some questions around that from Tom Cruise's side. So Brooke Shields said that her publicist said, don't go to Tom Cruise's house, like he's trying to get you to come to his house, don't go over there because then you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what his team have set up. You don't know if there'll be cameras there. So you have to get him to come to your house, which Brooke Shields says that Tom Cruise did, that he drove over to her house by himself and they had like a conversation and they talked through it. And then later on, like he invited her to his wedding, to Katie Holmes. But what's interesting is that he managed to get out of that situation And never really properly retracted what he had said about women going through postpartum depression.
1: That is bizarre. It's like he
0: masterminded himself out of it. And I feel like Brooke Shields was like, I just don't care to be part of this anymore.
1: Yeah, she's like, I very much want to be excluded from this narrative. Like, (laughs) why is she even involved?
0: And that kind of like that stuff kept happening then through the years where like he had like that big throwdown with Peter Overton on Mm. 60 Minutes because he was questioning him about Nicole Kidman. Obviously the Matt Lauer thing, he's had some altercations with people on red carpets basically tom cruise doesn't like media mm-hmm. like i think he just wants to be an old school movie star where he puts out movies and the public fawns over him yeah and that's the end of the story i don't think he likes the idea that he has to be questioned or held to account or do interviews do you
1: think if tom cruise was a woman this conversation would be
0: different yeah, I don't think he would be making movies if he had mm. gone through all of this. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we know that at the box office, like, women can have two to three mm-hmm. movies do poorly before their studio starts kind of pulling them back, whereas men can have at least eight. And that's just, like, a proven fact. But I think even in the public eye, it's so much easier for someone like Tom Cruise to kind of get all his past Indiscretions Mm -hmm. erased in this way. And I think a lot of it is very calculated. And that's why people think that that big COVID rant from the last couple of years. Do you remember this from the set of Mission Mission Impossible? Yeah. So they were one of the first big sets to come back and start filming after COVID protocols came in. And there's leaked audio of Tom Cruise going, absolutely ballistic, I think is the only word to describe mm-hmm. it, at two crew members who allegedly he saw breaking the COVID protocols. And he's screaming at them like, you're going to lose everyone their jobs and we're trying to keep people in jobs and we're of keep this going. And a lot of people do think that that was leaked on purpose to try and make Tom Cruise look like the only thing he cares about is keeping crew in jobs and keeping kind of families with money coming in, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But even through that, he came out looking quite unhinged. That is such an interesting interesting... interesting opinion about why
1: that leaked because when that did leak I was like oh man this guy who I already sort of had in the back of my mind is like a wild card is just doing more wild card shit but I think that plays into the fact that his entire public persona is like Yes, he's a bit kooky, but he's a really good actor, so we can look past that. And also, like, there's no criminal sort of stuff here. So it's like, oh, he's a bit weird, but man, he can act.
0: It's interesting that, like, what you're saying about men and women, like, we're seeing Anne Hathaway have a bit of a comeback now Mm -hmm. from her many years of being publicly hated. But the difference there is that she hadn't actually done anything to elicit those headlines. In fact her and Tom Cruise in many ways are very similar like they both have really intense theater kid energy they're mm-hmm. both like try in like the cutest way mm-hmm. like they're both really passionate about kind of being seen a particular way by their industry and they both come across very earnest in interviews the only thing is that that's all it took for people to hate Anne Hathaway whereas with Tom Cruise there's like allegations of misdoing in his church there's you know calling out women for getting help with mental health there's being abusive there's all on red carpets and only that started to tip us. But I just think it's so interesting how Top Gun Maverick has completely changed people's public perception of him in a way. And it's like he masterminded it from the beginning. That's the interesting thing.
1: Well, thank you for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Gia Moylan with audio production by Rhiannon Mooney. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.
0: If you love the show, the best thing you can do is become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Mamma Mia subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos, and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. It only costs $5.75 a month, which is less than a large coffee, or a small coffee if you get oat milk. If you believe in women's media, if you believe in a purpose-driven media company like Mamma Mia, whose core purpose is to make the world a better place for women and girls, please see the link in our show notes.